0: Hey, welcome to Access. John here. If you haven't already, be sure to download the free FBC Rungi Church app on iTunes or Google Play for sermons, announcements, and important updates regarding the church. Do you ever feel like there's more to life you're just not sure what it is? This is the fourth part in a six-part series called Follow Me where we're going to be talking about how genuine discipleship has a process to a life of fulfillment. This message is entitled, The Pruning Process. Well, you may or may not know this. Um, I actually pre-record these messages that I put online from home. And um, I do this for two reasons. Number one, I need a little practice before I get up and preach. And number two, we wanted to have something to put online. So these are actually pre-recordings that I do from home, like I said. And usually my wife is here to watch the boys and keep them out of my hair while I do this. But unfortunately, they're not here. She's not here today because she's headed to New York to go to a wedding. And so I tell you this because you might hear some noises in the background, some ambient noises maybe, maybe some kicking, fighting, screaming. Maybe it's a mechanical noise of some kind. I just want you to know they're not building a rocket ship. They're just playing and they're fine. Um, but you might hear some noises that you can't explain. It's most likely them. So with that little disclaimer in mind, I want to ask you, um, are you living a life of fulfillment or do you feel like there's something more out there for you? Are are, are you fulfilled? Do you feel like you're just, your life just needs more? It's lacking some way. My boys actually watch a movie called Minions. It's Pete's favorite movie. He loves Minions. Um, and in it, if you've never seen Minions, it's about little yellow men that are looking for an evil kingpin to serve. That's what the, the, the point of the movie is. They're looking for who they should serve, the most evil guy there is. Well, there's a time or a season in their life where they don't have anybody to serve, and so they start serving themselves. And as an end result, they end up falling into Depression. Which I think is extremely interesting, and it's even ironic because the movie suggests that you know the minions and people got here by evolution. Yet there is some deep sense of urgency, a deep sense of purpose and meaning that they're looking for, and and that's not what evolution teaches. In fact. Um, maybe you know this that uh, there was a time whenever evolution became mainstream in schools several years ago several decades ago and when that happened that over the first you know first decade by the end of the first decade that suicide rates had increased in teenagers by 300% and and it's understandable how that happens evolution teaches that you have no purpose you're just here and so it really is just kind of interesting that you know we each need, a, we have a deep need for purpose and meaning. And it really got me thinking as I was watching this movie, how many people struggle with that? How many real people struggle with something like this, have that same problem? No, not that we're looking for an evil kingpin to serve, but how many of us feel like our lives, something's lacking, that we need something more, that, that there's something else out there and we're just not fulfilling a great purpose? Maybe we've fallen into depression about it. Well, I believe that's why the Bible is so important, because the Bible teaches that we do have a purpose, that we do have a meaning. And um, I want to ask you, do you know what that purpose is? Are you living a life of fulfillment? Not only are people you know, susceptible to falling into a, a season of not fulfilling the purpose, a season of depression, I believe churches can do the same thing. Churches can fall into a season of depression because they're not fulfilling a purpose that they're created for. Now, I believe that every church should know what their purpose is, but some of us don't, and that's just a reality. We at Rungy First Baptist Church, we believe our purpose is to take root, grow, and bear fruit. That's what we're here to do, is to take root, grow, and bear fruit. We're here to help others take root, grow, and bear fruit. And and just, I wanted to spend some time this morning breaking down that, and because and, we know what our purpose is, and we actually have a strategy to getting it done. Um, and that strategy is to take root, grow, and bear fruit. That Sunday morning services are generally the time where we um, just have a time where we help others take root um, if there is an opportunity if there's a time where people are, are more often likely to open up to God and to be open to what He has to say, it's on a Sunday morning. And so we do that on Sunday morning services. We we preach from God's Word, we talk about it, and, and we just reflect on it as individuals. Uh, and it's just an opportunity for us to see God working and, and for Him to take root in our lives. So that's what we do on Sunday mornings, but also there's a time of growth. That, that we believe we should grow in relationship with our, each other and grow relationship with the Lord, and so we have um, opportunities for large groups or, or small groups, I should say. Uh, so Sunday mornings are large group. Other times in the week we have set aside for small groups where we meet together and we bounce ideas off of each other. We open up a passage and study it. Um, we uh, maybe talk about a biblical principle, and and we kick that uh, kick that around. Uh, the Bible says, as, as man sharpens man." Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. That's what we're here to do. We're here to learn from each other and bounce ideas off of each other. We're here to have different beliefs and talk about them and and so that we might be united in spirit and in mind, that we grow in relationship with each other. It's not to separate us from from fellowship with one another. It is to help us to grow alongside each other. So Thursday night Bible studies at at 7 o'clock. We're we're wanting to open up more Bible studies uh, in, in people's homes. If you're interested, get with me. Um, also, you know, our Sunday school, that's what we do at, at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings. But also, you know, we, we believe that the end result is to bear fruit, that God is calling us to bear fruit. And that means a lot of things. It's not just discipleship. That's a large part of it. I would say that's the majority of it, that we are here to bear fruit by making disciples. But also that there is fruit that happens in us. Uh, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control—the fruit of the spirit. God wants us to exercise the fruit of the spirit, or, or to display the fruit of the spirit, by exercising spiritual gifts, service, preaching, uh, teaching, um, things like that. Um, that God has a plan for us, and He wants us to serve. And so we have opportunities for service, uh, whether you know it's helping out with the youth on Wednesday night, uh, or it's individually meeting with other disciples for disciple makers. You either need to be. Discipled, or you need to be discipling. I believe that's every single follower of Christ. We talked about that last week, but that's what we do here at our church, and we're looking for more opportunities to serve. So, if you have any ideas, come and talk to me about it. We want, we want to bear fruit for the Lord. That is the end result. Um, when we start talking about. Um, that, you know, to take root, to grow and bear fruit. It actually comes from Mark chapter 4, verse 20, that talks about, uh, Jesus says, some seed is thrown on good soil, and it it produces a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. And if you were just to take that verse by itself, you might accidentally take that verse out of context and think, well, now that I'm saved, um, that's all there is. But there's actually a process of growth before we bear fruit. And, and there's a season of growth before we bear fruit. And, and it's just going to be that continual process. You've taken roots. So it's grow and bear fruit, grow and bear fruit, grow and bear fruit. Um, and, and so what I want to do this morning is I want to talk about that process of growth. You don't just save, you don't just bear fruit, just because it's actually a process of growth. So I want to talk about that in John chapter 15. Um, he has a, 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 you know, there's a passage here where Jesus really helps us to understand that process. But before we go uh, into it, I just want to want to point out um, that, um, that you know Jesus says on multiple occasions that the wheat grows with the tares, and you know that the sheep are going to be with the goats, and you can't separate them in your mind. Um, the truth is, is that anybody can claim to be a disciple of Jesus. All you have to do is really just, you know say that you believe in Jesus and and maybe you read the Bible, maybe you try to do good things. but there is a difference between a genuine disciple and and, and an actual uh, actual disciple and people that don't actually follow Christ. and And so um, we can't do that on our own. Um, some claim to follow Christ, but they're not genuinely saved. And so this is what he's going to be talking about in John chapter 15. I want to kind of set set the stage here. I want to read verses 1 through 5. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. He says, You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you are in me. He says in verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. <clears throat> so what we see in this passage is a is a principle uh, that can kind of give us maybe an idea of something that isn't necessarily true. Um, and I think we, we really have to... to wrestle with this, and I think that we have to go to the Lord, and we have to go to other places in Scripture uh, just to understand what he's talking about. And what I mean here is that verse 2 can kind of suggest that a person can fall from grace. Um, you know, because Jesus says, in me, if anyone is, he says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it would be even more fruitful. Does that suggest that, that Jesus is saying that a person can fall from grace? And my question for you would be: um, Was Judas soundly saved? I don't believe that he was. I believe that there are people who claim to be disciples that you know they're they're very good at the outward expressions of discipleship, but it never penetrates their heart, and and there is a reason why. Um, just take Judas for example Judas was very good at convincing people that he was a follower of Jesus Christ that he had submitted to the to call of discipleship but it never turned inward for him um, he was very good at outward expressions for example whenever a woman came and broke an alabaster jar over Jesus' feet filled with perfume who was it that made a big stink about it it was Judas he said why, why, why did this happen You know, you could have sold that and given the money to the poor but you didn't do that um, whenever Jesus says, "You know, one of you are going to betray me," to his disciples, all the disciples weren't like, "Yeah, well, you know, it's Judas over there. Everybody knows that." No, they were saying, "Well, is it me? Am I going to be the one? That will it be me? Will it be me?" And and uh, you know, so it wasn't like Judas. Judas, like everybody knew. Well, Judas, you don't know. You don't know. Yeah, he's he's not saved. It's not like everybody was doing that to to. Judas, they thought that he was saved. They thought he was a genuine disciple of Jesus. Yet he ends up betraying Jesus. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 21, um, that not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father. And I think this is just a, another point that we should see, that you know, we can't save ourselves. That only those whom the Holy Spirit has enabled can understand what it means to be saved. In other words, God is the one that does the work in us. The Holy Spirit enables and prepares our hearts to receive the message. And if it's not doing that work in us, we can't possibly understand what it means to be saved. Um, God is the one that does that work in us, and he does this by showing us that we're sinners, that we have sinned against him, and that we are not in right relationship with him, and that he will judge us, and that we will be condemned if we stay in our sin. But once we understand that one, that we are sinners and that we deserve hell, that God is giving us an opportunity for grace. He issues out grace to anyone who, who will receive it. And um, in, in order to receive that, we must submit to, to 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 Jesus Christ as Lord. You can be a disciple of Jesus. You can do what he says and, and follow some of his teachings without submitting to him as Lord. But God wants us to submit to Christ as Lord. And when we do that we will bear fruit. We surrender to God. Jesus says, anyone who is in me will bear fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Which should show us that we don't get saved by ourselves. We don't just try really hard to get saved. And and that's... Um, and that's what happens. There will be some who claim to follow Christ who haven't surrendered. And in order um, to, to bear fruit, you must surrender. And so, of course, those who claim to be in Christ and haven't surrendered to him will not bear fruit. That's just the way it works. Um, no, no branch can bear fruit by itself. Uh, Jesus says, you know, he says, those who are in me, and that can kind of cause us to think, well, you know, maybe somebody is in Christ and they've turned away from him. And so they lost their salvation. But I would I would challenge you to, to, to go against that, that teaching. You can believe what you want. The goal here isn't to get you to believe what I believe. I just want you to be careful. The goal here is to bear fruit. Um, you know, in a vine which is kind of accurate what Jesus was talking about here. He uses this analogy of, of grape, a grapevine, uh, a vineyard. Uh, that there are branches that grow and intertwine with the, with the, the vine, but they're not of the vine. Um, so they're in the vine, but not of the vine. And so uh, I, I believe this should show us that, that there are people who claim to be of Christ, but they're not in Christ. Um, that They're in, in it, but I'm sorry, they're in him, but they're not of him. And so they cannot bear fruit and, and that is who, who God is going to prune. He's going to cut out the ones that are not bearing fruit. And so, um, just so we know what it is that Jesus was talking about, uh, that's what I believe that Jesus is talking about. God is the one that does the work in us. And that there is actually a pruning process. If you see, let's talk about the genuine disciples. He says in verse 2, he says, And everyone that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it'll be even more fruitful. Uh, um, you may or may not know this. I grew up on a vineyard. And uh, we had apple trees and peach trees and pear trees. And um, I had to go out and water those stupid trees every single day during the summer. And I hated it. I hated it. Like, that was just the dumbest thing, having to be out there and water all those trees. But, um, you know, where we live was kind of dry, and and they needed moisture. You had to moisture them. You had to give them moisture. So uh, that's how they grew. I loved the fruit, but I did not like the labor. But unfortunately, the labor is part of the fruit, and and it's painful, and sometimes it's it's inconvenient. But if we want fruit, we have to, have to, have to, have to go through the labor as well. So I just want to kind of keep that in mind, that there is a growing process, but there's also a pruning process that God does with us. And so what I want to do is I want to talk about how He prunes us, and then I want to talk about why He prunes us. Um, First of all, you don't just go out and start cutting any branch that you see you like, I don't like this, so I'm going to cut that one out. You really have to know what you're doing. Um, because if you don't know what you're doing, you can actually damage and maybe even kill the tree. Um, and, and so that's what's so important is you have to know how to prune a tree. And only God knows how to really prune us. Only God is the one who knows, knows what to cut and when to cut. And that's an important thing also is that you have to prune at the right time. That, uh, you know, there's a time, there's what's called a dormant season. Uh, in, in a process, uh, the growth process of a tree, um, it, it's usually the time right before spring that you can pr- prune a tree uh, without damaging it. You don't want to do it right before winter because it might not survive the winter. Um, you know, it has to, has to, has to uh, be done in the dormant season uh, in order for it to be most effective. Which means that we don't just get to go around and and correct other people. That God is the one that does the correction, and also we have to have the right tools. You know, you don't use uh, shears where you need a chainsaw, and you don't use a chainsaw where you need shears. That you have to have the right tool, and it has to be sharp. And what's really cool um, in the book of Hebrews, it talks about, uh, you know, what God uses as, as a tool, um, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, listen to this, it says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and, and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So basically, um, the reason why God is the one that has to do it is because not only does he know how to do it, he has the right tools and he knows when to do it. Um, if, if you use the wrong tool and you do it at the wrong time, you can do a lot of damage. And you know, that passage says that God's word is, the, way, it is the, the tool that he uses to do it, that it judges the attitudes and thoughts of the heart. So we, we don't know what people are thinking. We don't know what their attitude is. That's something that only God knows, and that's why God is the one that has to do the pruning. Let's talk about how he prunes us for just a second. I'm sorry, why he prunes us. He does it first and foremost to improve our health. You know, sometimes they're diseased and infected uh, branches. Sometimes they're infested by insects and it has the ability to affect the whole vine. It has the effect of, to affect the whole tree and it can tear up, uh, do a lot of damage to the tree, maybe even kill it. So God, um, he often finds areas in our lives that are diseased by sin that have the potential to affect the whole area of our lives and he wants to cut them out. And, and if he were to leave them, it would do a lot of damage to us. Not only would it destroy our credibility and our witness, but it might damage our faith in some way. And so God really wants to prune those things out of our, our lives so that we can be healthier. He wants us. He wants to improve our strength. Um, there's, a, there's a part of the tree called the crown, and you thin the crown to give the rest of the tree more oxygen. I think this is an excellent analogy about how we are to humble ourselves or we're going to be humiliated. Um, I mean, that's the way it works. God wants us to humble ourselves so that He can lift us up. If we don't, if we don't thin the crown, if we don't take that crown off of our heads, and and you know, I'm I'm the Lord of my life. That that God will do it for us. And and it's important that the rest of our our areas of our life. That humility is so important in those areas of our life. God wants to uh, He wants to improve our strength. And, and, you know, there's also parts in, our, in, our, in a tree that the branches might be rubbing against each other and they might intersect with one another. And, and it just causes a problem in that it compromises the integrity of the tree. It compromises its strength. And so, uh, you, you know, if you're going to trim, you would trim the, the, the limbs and the branches that are uh, rubbing against each other. Sometimes what we want as Christians uh, contradicts what God wants for us. And so God will come in and he will tell us, you know, there's something that's contradicting or rubbing against my way and I want you to cut it out. This is something that we're going to remove together. And, and so uh, he doesn't want him to rub up against his way. Our way rubs up against God's and God says, okay, it's time to go my way here. Um, you know, there there are times when, when it's necessary to uh, cut back the tree to increase the strength and the integrity of the tree just so that it can survive a storm. If it has too many branches, it's going to be weak. Um, and, and so you, you cut those back so that it will survive a storm. There's lots of storms in life that we need strong faith for. Um, maybe it's uh, disease. Maybe it's heartache. Maybe it's illness. maybe But whatever it is, it, like something in our life, it's a storm of life, and God wants to be there to help us through it. But we need to be prepared for that. We need strong faith. Um, uh another reason why God prunes us is that he wants us, as Jesus says, he wants us to be more fruitful. You know, any place in a tree that makes a branch or a Y, um, it creates what's called a weak zone. And uh, those weak zones really compromise the integrity of the tree and its strength, but it also steals nourishment from another area. Um, and like see if a branch branches off and it splits off you have two completing competing branches that are now fighting for moisture and and so if it's far enough up the limb it can cause a lot of problems for the branches later on and so you don't want that too early that it compromises the integrity of the tree the strength but it also steals moisture and oxygen doesn't get down to the roots as well so it's important for the tree for it to bear a lot of fruit that you don't have too many whys you don't have too many weak zones in there um, that the, the, it can be far enough up the branch that it creates a problem that God wants us to have integrity and he wants us he wants us to, to have nothing that competes for attention. He wants us to have nothing that competes for lordship. There will be things in our life where you know God's telling me, God is telling us, you know, you can't serve both God and money. You can't serve me and this. You can't serve me and that. And so you need to just serve me. And so maybe it's a time for a chainsaw. Maybe it's a time for shears. But God knows what that is. And God is the one that does that pruning in us. Now, just before we close, I want to tell you that God doesn't prune us because he loves hurting us. It does hurt. The pruning process is painful. But it is, it is to help us grow. It is to help us to be more strong, uh, to improve, improve our health, to, to help us to bear more fruit. He does it because he loves us. Uh, Jesus says, those whom I love, I discipline. Um, that It's important that we see that God doesn't do this to hurt us. He does it because he loves us, because he wants us to be more fruitful, because he wants us to have an abundant life. This is why he created you. Your life is not all about you. It's not even yours. God is the one that gets the fruit. He's created you for that purpose. You you don't have to walk around in depression, which is exactly what's going to happen if you think that your life is all about you, that your life is about serving you because that's not a life of fulfillment. That's not why you were created and you will never be fulfilled if that's the way that you live your life. So my question for you is are you fulfilled? Do you feel like you have a fulfilled life or do you feel like there's going to be something there's something more out there for you? Because you have a purpose. Your purpose is to bring glory to God. Your purpose is to make disciples, to bear fruit for him. Jesus says in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. In other words, your life is full. He says, I've come that you won't feel that way anymore. I've come that you won't feel like your life is empty or there's something missing. I've come that you might be full of purpose and, and you might your life might be a full of fruit that you know that you are fulfilling the purpose that God has put you here for. That's what your purpose is. There's nothing more because I'm full. Why? How could I possibly want more? That's what Jesus comes to bring to us. And being a genuine disciple of Christ means that we will bear fruit. There's another passage here in John chapter 15 I want to read. John chapter 15 verse 16 he says um, he says you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And we can look at this passage of Scripture and say, oh, this is another example of how, you know, if, if fruit doesn't last, then you're not soundly saved. Well, I would just challenge you to be real careful with that because I believe what Jesus is saying here. It's not it's not a, a, a disclaimer. I believe it's a promise. He's saying, listen, if you're in me, I'm in you. And I chose you. I appointed you to, to go and bear fruit. That's why you're here. And the fruit, if you're genuinely, genuinely, a part of me, you will bear fruit and it will last. That's an incredible promise. So don't worry about um, you know, making sure that, that fruit stays good. That's God's job. Just allow him to, to do this pruning process in you. And if you will, you will bear fruit for God. That those who are in Christ bear fruit for him. And that's exactly what he wants to do. Hey, thanks again for listening. We pray that the Lord blessed you through this message and that he spoke to you and that you have a clear direction for your life. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast so that you never miss another message. And if you have any questions or comments about today's message, please feel free to email us at fbcrungee at gmail.com. Till then, we hope that you share in our vision to help people take root, grow, and bear fruit. And if so, then let's get out there and get to work.